Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I was really bummed that Adam couldn't be here for this episode. And I was going to wait to release this until Teacher Appreciation Week. But then I was like, you know what? I don't want to wait. Um, I wanted to get it out there as soon as possible. First of all, I love this episode. I love Nicholas Ferroni and what he's doing. Um, and I also want everybody to listen before Teacher Appreciation Week so we can kind of prepare and realize, like, we need to shower all these teachers with praise and accolades and love and support and gifts and all the things that we can um, because they're just not getting it in so many places that they should be. And this is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. For those of you who do not know, I was a high school teacher before um, I became a stay-at-home mom. Uh, and I loved it. I was an English teacher. Um, I loved the teaching part of it. Um, I was not aware before I became a teacher that being up in front of the classroom is unfortunately only a very small percentage of an incredible, overwhelming, kind of thankless profession in so many ways. Um, and it makes me sad. And many of my best friends are still teachers. Many of the friends that I taught with are still teaching and I love them beyond words. And some of my most favorite people in my life are teachers. So, um, I was really excited to do this episode and Nicholas Froney is someone who I really respect and admire. He's a high school teacher who has really made his self, very vocal about all the injustices that he has experienced and he sees, um, and just also his passion and his love for teaching and how hard it has been to to stay in teaching, despite the fact that he absolutely loves it and he's so passionate about it, but yet they're making it harder and harder for teachers to live Number one, on the salary. Number two, on all of the things that are so hard with um, how judgmental people are now about teachers. Um, and I just, I, I'm, I'm so incredibly impressed with everything that he's doing. So please enjoy listening to Nicholas Froney and then go follow him on Instagram and Twitter and go and thank as many teachers as you possibly can and start, start shopping for that teacher appreciation week because man, 
they need all the appreciation they can get. To all you teachers out there who um, are Marriage Martinis listeners, followers, friends, I love you so much. I'm so grateful to you. Um, And just, you know, I just want you to know you are loved. Oh, and one other thing. I was just getting over a cough when we were recording this episode. So if at times it sounds like I'm not going to make it, don't worry. I was okay. I made it through. So if it sounds a little bit like um, I'm dying, I'm not. I was just sick. So anyway, enjoy Nicholas Ferroni. Hey, Nick. Welcome to Marriage Martinis. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Danielle. Again, two things. I, I'm not married and I'm not a big martini person, but I'm happy to be here. So very <laughs> well, a lot of our listeners are not married and a lot of our listeners are not martini fans. You're in good company. Um, yeah. And I, I learned all about you. I follow you on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, you've become this really awesome social media presence um, that I think for people who are either in education or love someone in education or have kids or just pretty much anybody, um, right now your voice means so much. And I just wanted to have you tell a little bit about yourself um, and how you got into teaching and, you know, and, and how long it's been. And I'm currently in my 19th year as a high school history, cultural studies, and history through pop culture and mass media teacher at my alma mater in uh, Union, New Jersey. So I teach at Union High School, where I actually went to school. Uh, I'll be honest, like I grew up in Union. So if you don't know much about Union Township, it's uh, it's extremely diverse. I mean, it's the demographic is, is extremely diverse as it is, as it was then, it is today. Uh, and I just, as a kid, I always... My experience in town was amazing. I had amazing teachers. I had amazing friends. I had amazing support system. Uh, I had amazing coaches. Union's known for its athletic programs, which I grew up kind of going through. And in, at, after high school, I went on to Rutgers. So talk about Jersey boys staying Jersey and went to Rutgers where I was on the football team. And it's, I, always, I always loved history. I always had amazing history teachers uh, Indiana Jones was one of my personal heroes. I just thought he was the coolest person on the planet. And so I kind of always felt I would be in some sort of education, academic or historic field. Uh, after college, I ended up falling into acting. Uh, my cousin was a big agent. So she was like, let me send you on some auditions while you're waiting to get a teaching job. So I was doing a few, I was doing a soap a few days a week. Uh, I would have like 10, 10 lines or under. I was like, the guy would come on and be like, so how are you doing? How's everything going? And that was my day. But I was kind of going down that road and I ended up booking a few jobs here and there. And then at the same time, I was subbing in my school and a teaching job opened up my old high school. So do I continue down this road of acting, which I was not good at, I wasn't passionate about, or do I become a high school teacher, which ironically enough is performance in itself. So I chose to to leave acting and then put on a performance to an audience that does not want to be there six times a day and convince them that they should be there and convince them to, to uh, open up and buy into what I'm kind of providing them with, uh, education, empowerment, and trying to inspire them daily. So in my 19 years, the irony being, I'm a very good teacher, Danielle, I like to specify that. I've, um, I'm proudest of being named Teacher of the Year by the Human Rights Campaign. I've been featured on The View, on Today's Show, on Ellen, on, on all these programs for social experiments and different activities I've done in the classroom. But the interesting thing about society is nobody cares about those sort of awards uh, 
when People Magazine gave me the title of Sexiest Teacher Alive, it kind of crossed me over into a whole new spectrum and gave me opportunities that no other educator had. Uh, it's, it was a blessing and a curse because the first time when they even proposed it to me, I said, no, I'm like, we can't sexualize a teacher. We can't, it's enough problems. It's problematic. I'm also well aware that if it was a female teacher who was given that title, she would have probably lost her job or been ran out of town, which gave me that perspective. Uh, at the same time, the editor at the time, Jess Kegel, pointed out that if we changed it to most inspirational teacher, it would still fit you the same way. So after being named that, it gave me opportunities as an educator and giving me a platform to, to not promote myself or to not become like a model or do stuff like that, but just to share and, and bring awareness to what's going on in education and just to help support and promote and, and celebrate all the amazing educators out there. Because I'm a good teacher. I'm not the best teacher in the country. I'm not the best teacher in my school. And I stress that very quickly, but because I have the biggest platform, you know, it's, it, it gives me an opportunity to, or it gives the impression I am the best when I'm not, which is why I like to celebrate all those educators who are doing, doing the hard work and, and performing miracles every single day in the classroom. So that's my kind of short, long bio right there. I obviously, I still work on campaigns. I work with brands to honor teachers, to celebrate teachers. I work with campaigns to surprise teachers. I still work with People Magazine, with different news networks. So I've utilized my platform to not only celebrate teachers, but also to kind of bring the struggles and bring awareness to what teachers are dealing with on a daily basis, which other than people, unless you have a family member in education or you are an educator, people assume it's, it's an eight to three job with summers off and that's about it. Uh, they don't realize the amount of work, time and unpaid labor that teachers go into and put into their, their jobs because we care. So if my biggest mission is to bring awareness and hopefully reshape public opinion, I, I, I can't think of another profession that gets demonized more than, than educators when they, they perform miracles and give their heart, souls, knowledge, and money to their students every single day. Right. I, I, you are, you're, you're being, I hate to say being brave because, uh, you know, speaking about your profession and the issues of it should be something that is just allowed and that everybody feels like they have the space and the freedom to do. But you do mention a lot that, you know, plenty of people are extremely scared to speak about all of, you know, the, the hardships of being a teacher today. And it is, I mean, you are a little bit uh, putting yourself at risk, right? When you're, when you're going on the platform and talking about the truth and, and revealing some of these inadequacies, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, a, a soft term for it, that that's happening in the school systems and especially with how we're treating teachers now. But it's interesting too, because a lot of teachers can't do it. So I feel obligated to do it on their behalf to provide a forum because as teachers, you know, we've been, we've been celebrated into kind of, I would feel like oppression because it's always been about the kids. We become teachers for the kids. You know, it's, this is what, it's our dream job. So the fact that people are leaving their dream jobs and the fact that the students are not enough to keep a teacher in a classroom because they can't endure everything else should scare a lot of people. Because if you think you're replacing people who are leaving their dream job with people who never wanted to be a teacher, you're out of your mind. Nor would you want someone I would not want someone in my classroom who doesn't care about my kid who did not want to pursue that field, who's only there because they want a job, you know, and that's the problem. We're losing so many educators, but at the same time, 
I can't think of another profession where if you would apply the same logic, they would get criticized. If doctors were online saying we need instruments, we can't perform surgery, nobody would say shut up and get back in the operating room. Or if a fire department would say this house is on fire, we need water and hoses to do our job, people wouldn't say shut up and go in there and put it out with your hands. You know, or as a parent, you know, parents who can criticize their kids or complain about their kids online, I never think you hate your child. I think you're complaining about one aspect of it or you're complaining about what I, I've never, like my running thing is, you know, if, if you're complaining about teachers wanting a break, thinking that hates their children, then I think you hate your children because you can't wait to get them out of the house to send them to school. Like that's, I don't think a parents, if my mom could not wait to get us out of the house because she, this summer she endured so much, but I don't know, like, do you hate us because you want us out of the house? But it's like when a teacher talks about like, I can't wait till summer break, or it's almost like they make it seem like we hate our jobs or we hate our students or we, 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 we don't care when in fact we care so much. Yeah. We need those breaks and we need those moments. And we just need people to, to invest in us as, we, as much as we invest in our students. Yeah, and it's interesting because at the beginning of the pandemic, there was this whole almost like, you know, outpouring of love and support of teachers when you first went virtual, right? Everybody was standing behind you and you guys were heroes and and everybody was the first to say that you guys were so incredible. And then all of a sudden there was like this weird shift. And, and I don't understand what happened, but it went from, you know, all the teachers are so amazing to parents being like, you guys are, you know, saying that they're you're selfish or you're what happened it, it became politicized educators get politicized all the time and i understand it i think it's the shadiest thing in the world when politicians try to pit parents against teachers and i had this conversation with somebody earlier today a parental group they always make it seem like teacher's best interest is not a parent's best interest and a parent's best interest is not a teacher's best interest when in fact if your child's in my classroom you supporting me also support your child would you not want your child, would you want, not want your child to have a teacher who, who's not working another job, who actually has the supplies they need, or who's so overwhelmed and stressed that they're about to have a mental breakdown, spending time in the room with your child? Or would you want your child to have a teacher who's, who can focus solely on their teaching job, who has every resource they need, who has all the support they need, who has a small enough class size so that way they can actually get to know and care about and interact with your child on an individual level? Like the irony is a teacher's needs are our students' needs. You know, it's like, that's what it comes down to. But it's so interesting how politicians try to pit teachers against students because in their mindset, you know, there's only 4 million teachers in America. They'll lose a few million votes rather than gaining 100 million votes. Right. You know, they'll never tell a parent, you know, we need to, you need to step it up and work with teachers. They'll never say that, you know, because then they're like, okay, I don't want them to think I'm blaming them. I'm losing their vote. Like they'll, they'll risk losing a teacher vote in a heartbeat because they don't see it. They see it as expendable. You know, when teachers, we work with parents, it is not us against you. And for some reason, society and politicians tend to put us against each other. When the irony is the only person other than you actually cares deeply about your child, it would be someone who spends 180 days with your child. Yeah, I know. And, and the, the bond between a teacher and a student, I feel like is so strong. I mean, it's it's incredible. And to utilize that as a parent would make so much more sense than to go against it. Yet it happens all the time. I'm wondering how long you were teaching before you realized that it wasn't like, you know, you set out because you love kids and, and you wanted to, I would imagine you wanted to change the world in some small way. And you are. But I, I'm wondering how long you were teaching before you realized that it wasn't all you had dreamt it to be. 
my, my first year in a classroom when it was the most overwhelming experience I've ever had when I didn't have supplies I needed. And every time I realized that every supply I had from K through 12th grade, for the most part, like all the supplies in elementary school, my teacher bought those, you know, I had glitter, I had glue sticks, I had everything because the school provided a little bit, but if they really want to be that extra teacher, they would have to buy those extra supplies. And I think my first year when I'm like, okay, so now if I want to do this activity, I got to buy supplies because the school's not going to provide these basic needs. So now I'm going to target. Now I'm ordering stuff. Now I'm doing that. And then my first year when I realized, you know, that teaching is all about relationships, like you just said, that kids will not care about learning if they don't think or, or believe their teacher cares about them. And then I think about, all, then I reflected, I mean, I thought about quitting once a week, my first year of teaching. So I'm like, I can't do this. And it made me reflect on all the teachers I had that were so memorable and what made them memorable. And it was the fact that I knew they cared about me. Cause I went in there right away. Like I'm going to teach history. I'm going to be the best teacher. I'm going to focus on content, content, content. And that was my toughest worst year because I didn't take the time the first few weeks of school to get to know my students, what they care about to get to know them, get to know their families. And now as an educator, I spend the first two weeks getting to know them and their families, which makes my life a hundred times easier. Also lets them know how much I'm invested in them, their success and their families and just their emotional and mental happiness. Right. So, but I would say once I realized that I have a good situation, but at the same time, a lot of teachers are struggling far greater than I am. And that's when I kind of realized that with my platform, I have to speak out. I have to, I have to advocate. I have to support. I have to try to bring awareness. I have to, like, if I, if I leave teaching, I'm going to go out, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out blazing because it's like, I have to do that. You know, I, I was always taught that if, if you, you know, change what you can, you know, change, if you could change something, change it, you know, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm hoping there are days where I'm less optimistic, Danielle, I'll be honest. Like, I'm like, every teacher has to leave before anyone appreciates. It's like, there are days where I'm like that, but I just, you know, to me, schools in general are the, the center of every community. And I feel like it's, it's not the churches because we have different neighbors who go to different churches. Like school is the one place, especially public schools that everyone comes together everyone's friends with everyone. Parents meet everybody. To me, it's the ultimate center of every community is, is the school. So it's like, I, I believe in that enough to invest in it, to support it, to try to dismantle uh, systems in education that are hurting certain students or, or that are not benefiting certain students. And, and just to do everything I can with my power to make sure that I, I leave it better than I found it. Because I mean, I, I had teachers who started off making $5,000 a year. So they fought so I could start off making 45,000. So now I'm going to fight so that way teachers can be even better financially off or be at least financially stable. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You hear from so many teachers, I would assume in a day you probably get like your DMs must be just flooded with with teachers wanting advice or wondering what to do or should they leave? 
it's, it is interesting because a lot of them DM me instead of like, I'll post something like I posted something about, you know, teachers not being able to speak out. So because everyone thinks that teachers aren't speaking out, but they can't. And then I got literally a thousand messages saying I'm one of those teachers who can't speak out because my administration would think I'm complaining. I'd be reprimanded or, but it's like, my school needs to fix this, this, and this. And it's like, it's heartbreaking because a lot of them like, what can I do? And I don't have an answer for them. Like, you know, I had a teacher who's, everyone's talking about this. Don't say gay bill. You know, the bill that's in Florida and everybody's saying, well, it doesn't say the word gay, but no, but it allows parents to interpret what they think is inappropriate conversations. And I have a colleague who's a gay man in Florida who literally had to take, was told he should take the picture of him and his husband off his desk because God forbid a kid comes home and says, Hey, Mr. So-and-so is married. So-and-so the parent would then interpret that as a conversation about sexuality. The school would rather fire the teacher than deal with the lawsuit. And it's like, and everybody's like, well, it doesn't say, no, what it doesn't say says more than what it says. No teacher is promoting anything, you know, but it's a matter of a kid asks that question and you're a parent. Kids ask a lot of questions. They're very curious. They're very loving. They're very nurturing. But it's like things like that where teachers message me and, and share their thoughts and concerns. And I'm like, if I was in New Jersey, I would do that. I would just leave it up. But, you know, you're in Florida. It's like, I can't defend you in Florida. I don't know if your administration or union would defend you in Florida based on them. It's like they would rather, you know, just say, I'm sorry. You know, I hope you understand, but we have to get rid of you because we don't want to deal with this. So it's like, I, I, I have so many teachers reaching out for advice that I, I wish I could do more for them or help them, but I can't, I would, I would not be able to teach south of the Mason Dixon line based on what I, the subjects I teach and the content I get into. Not because I'm extreme, I don't teach critical race theory, but it's like, because I teach inclusive education, because I teach diversity, cultural studies, a parent would take that as, as CRT, a parent would interpret that as discussing gender or sexuality when I don't. I just want every student to walk in my class and feel like they're seen, heard, and represented. Right. That's wonderful. What What do you feel like has been the <clears throat> the biggest concerns that teachers have been that have been saying? What are you most shocked about? I'm I'm still shocked because uh, the idea of the two things that always stand out the most, uh, three things. The idea that I have colleagues, everyone's talking about student mental health and students' emotional needs. But then I have teachers who have 43 students in a classroom and it is impossible to interact with 43 students in an hour. So, and then the school promotes social, emotional, mental health of students, but then they won't put that teacher in a position to succeed. Or the fact that we have teachers every day begging online for supplies. You know, I always think it's funny. I posted something in reference to this, where there's, there's organizations like Donors Shoes and Amazon Good List where you could donate and crowdfund for supplies. They shouldn't exist. You know, we shouldn't have teachers begging online for strangers to provide them with the best opportunity for their students. It's acceptable. You know, and I always tell the story on every day, there's a million teachers begging online and no one says a word because optically it looks okay. One teacher, I think in Oklahoma, stood on the street with a sign begging for supplies. It was all over the national news. Every day we have millions of teachers begging for supplies, but no one seems to care. You know, and it's like if every teacher stood on the street in front of their school district saying, I need this guarantee you that school district because it looks bad for them would quickly provide them with the supplies mm -hmm. you know and then the aspect of of teacher pay you know my grubhub driver the other day was was a teacher yeah you know it's like the fact that i'm like my question is do you want to do this or have to he's like i have two kids in college you know i i have to do this and then i'm thinking i'm like if you should not have to 
survivor work, other jobs. Teaching is one of the only professions you have to do other professions so you could continue doing your first. You know, imagine you're about to get on, you're about to get on a plane and you saw the pilot and you realize that, hey, that was my Uber driver last night till three in the morning, right. you know, it's like, right. or your doctor, you know, you're going to the hospital for your surgery, your doctor's driving the Uber there to the hospital to perform your surgery. You know, it's like, we're, we're so, we're, it's like, a, it's not considered a profession, it's considered a hobby. And ironically, it's because it's 78% women, it's just more proof that we don't value the work of a woman. If it was 78% men, I promise you, Danielle, be a six-figure salary. Agreed, 100%. Yeah. yeah I, I, and you, you put something on Instagram recently about you, you, you highlighted like four or five um, headlines about teachers and things that they were doing to get money. And you said, guess which one is it true? Because they were all so, you know, beyond ridiculous. But some of them were true. And, and it is true. People are, I mean, you know, like doing all kinds of crazy stuff to be able to afford life when they're here, they are, they've gone to school with this passion and now they are like in 12 different directions trying to make ends meet. But even think about the stories I posted where even the fake stories I posted for, for those of you listening, uh, my, my Instagram, I posted fake news stories and real news stories. You had to guess which ones were fake and which ones were real. But I, even the fake news stories, like, you know, teacher, uh, teachers wear their other work clothes to school for career day. Like even stories like that were based on factual stories where teachers did have to wear their other clothes because they go right to their other job. Or like, you know, teacher gets in fatal car crash told to choose to go to school or go home. And that happened to a friend of mine who got in a devastating car accident, was told that he had the ambulance, bring him to school so that way he could drop off subplans and all that stuff and then take him to the hospital with a broken leg. Or the teacher, which was true, was teaching, had to give in subplans while she was in labor, or the teacher having to teach while they were going through chemotherapy. You know, it's like, and we look at these like feel good stories when it's like, how insane is that, that you're in surgery or, or going in labor and they're like, you know, congratulations, but you have to turn in your subplans. You know, that is the expectation of teachers. And it's like stuff like that is so, it's insane that everyone was like, hey, all the above, they all look true because they're probably, there's truth to each of those stories. But it just, it shows you the level of expectations and the toxic environment that educators are dealing with. And it's like, nobody gives more and gets less in return. Right. Right. Why? I, I know you think part of it is definitely like the fact that you said 70% of teachers are women. And I mean, I don't even think I had a male teacher until I was in high school. Uh, maybe at no one in eighth grade, I had a eighth grade uh, Spanish teacher. But other than that, until I was in high school, I didn't have a, a male teacher. But why else? Why is it so hard for teachers to get the accolades and, you know, the funding and the salaries like this is not something new. I mean, as much as teachers, I think, are, are bringing it to another level and we're realizing, especially, you know, during the pandemic, what is happening. It's shed so much light on, you know, on the inadequacies and everything. But what? What is it? Why teachers? Why, like you said, doctors, you know, can get their supplies and firefighters. Why is that? Well, I think it's twofold. And a lot of this was brought to my attention because I'll be honest, I used to be that toxic, positive teacher that it's always for the kids. Suck it up. Not realizing that you could still do it for the kids, but also bring awareness to the struggles. But I think for the longest time, teaching has always been considered for some reason, society views it as just child care. They assume we just sit there with kids like we're, we're glorified, as some people say, you're glorified babysitter with summer's off. That is it. Even though we don't get paid over the summer, we're unemployed. 
And I think that glorified babysitter mentality kind of sticks with people. Like all we do is sit there with kids all day and that is it. And I would say the other aspect is expectations. Teachers have always gone above and beyond. So therefore it's expected that martyr mentality, like where it's just expected of you, like how dare you take a day off and inconvenience my life? How dare you not continue to buy supplies for my kid? How dare you do this? And it's almost like we created such a, a martyrdom type view of educators that now we're trying to shift out of it and it's almost impossible. And it's, and I feel like that's just a narrative society has kind of created and it's public opinion, I think is the most problematic thing when it comes to the, the view and treatment of teachers. Yet I, I will say with certainty that, that most people who criticize teachers could never stand up one week in a classroom or never do the job for one week. And even the aspect of unpaid labor, most of the education system is unpaid. Most of the work we do, we do outside of school hours. Not many other professions do that. You know, it's, it's either overtime or you get paid for your hourly wage. For educators, it's expected to work overtime. If we didn't work overtime, our job would be a hundred times tougher because we wouldn't be able to meet the criteria to get the grades in, to lesson plan, uh, to just be caught up. And I think that's the other problem is where we've just, we've continued to go above and beyond so long that it's just expected. It's kind of like anybody, when somebody gives in to you all the time and just keeps doing free. And the one time they say no, it's like you flip out like they're a bad person because you just expect them to say yes and cater to you in every way. And that's kind of what the teaching profession has become, unfortunately. Right. And especially, I think also, like you said, the hours people look at, you know, nine to three or eight to two or whatever, and then summer's off and they're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, maybe they don't make the high salary, but they, you know, they get the hours off and they get the, you know, the summers off. Like, I think that people have this idea in their mind about summers off that, you know, it's like this incredible gift that's given, um, you know, not realizing that, first of all, I would imagine that the majority of teachers are working all summer, number one, um, you know, and, and number two, that just the mental capacity that you have to use for those other 10 months, it's like, you know, just like kids, you know, you just can't do it all year. It's, it's, I mean, I did a campaign that went viral uh, two summers ago called No Summers Off, where teachers shared what they do over the summer. And not only outside of working second and third jobs, but going to professional developments, planning, uh, workshops, conferences, just staying afloat in that. And the other thing is, it's not paid vacation. I think people assume it's paid vacation. We're unemployed. You know, we don't, we get paid 10 months out of the year. We don't get paid uh, the two months. So, and some teachers, you know, willingly like will bartend or do fun stuff over the summer to, to, to work. At the same time, you know, a second job shouldn't be mandatory. It should be optional. Mm-hmm. And that's what I come to. I have no problem. I mean, I would gladly work something else if I could like coaching and other things like that. But it's like the perception that teachers leave at three and that is it, or come June till, till August they're done is, is a problem because it's not true. It may be true for some, but it's not true for all. Right. Oh man. I know that the pandemic and virtual school obviously had a lot of negative aspects to it. We all know. I mean, it was a crazy time for teachers, for students, for parents, everybody. But do you think that there was anything positive or productive that came out of that time also? The idea of, which is another perception, they assume that teachers weren't doing their job because we were home, not realizing that, I'll be honest, Danielle, I, I would say 90, 99.9% of teachers would agree. I worked harder Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Teaching, creating lessons, putting my entire life into digital format, 
reaching out to families, connecting to families than I ever did in the classroom. Me being in the classroom was easier than virtual. And the fact that a lot of teachers were willing to stay virtual because they didn't want to put everyone's life in jeopardy should kind of make a parent feel better rather than saying we're lazy. We're willing to do more work because we don't feel like it's completely safe for everybody. You know, we'll err on the side of safety. But the thing I came from the virtual aspect, kids are resilient. They'll adapt. Uh, a lot of my students became better at creating content. They became better at adapting things. We did a lot of stuff that normally they wouldn't do. Uh, the interactions were more focused. I was connected to more parents than I've ever been before because of the virtual aspect. I think there's a lot of good that came from that where normally parents, you know, you would have a meeting if they don't show up, you're like, okay, you know, they didn't show up. Now it's like we have access to, to educators and to parents all the time. That way we stay, we're more connected than ever before. But there was a lot of skills. It's, it's a different skill set. Yeah. Did they lose out on social aspects? Of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a high school teacher, talking to a black, uh, blank screen was the most devastating, heartbreaking thing I've read to do. But it's, it's definitely, it, it made me become better at finding creative ways to engage students. It also made me more empathetic to them because it made me realize that everyone was dealing with a different home situation. You know, I had students who were sitting in my classroom in the garage, you know, and it's like, and to me, it's like, that's, it also revealed a lot of inequities in education, how certain students, if they had the resources, the support and the space, they were going to academically do better virtually, you know, than a student who's sharing a device or has spotty Wi-Fi or things like that. So I think it exposed a lot of inequities in education. At the same time, I think students showed how resilient and adaptive they were and educators too. It's like a full pivot in a matter of a few days, we became virtual. I know that was you know? unbelievable how yeah. quickly you guys had to just sidestep and like completely figure it all out. That was like unreal. And, and me aside, like I was learning on the job. So it was a learning experience. Uh, but so many teachers seeing the work they did and how far and above they went to engage students and entertain students and just be a supportive person it was inspiring. Like it really was inspiring. You know, it just made me appreciate educators so much more for what the lengths they went through to engage their students, to help their students and to be there for their students. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I wanted to ask you if, do you feel like if someone comes to you today, for instance, my daughter is 16 and she's looking at colleges and she's only applying to colleges that have early education teaching programs. She's dead set on becoming an educator. And, you know, she's been around all my best friends are teachers or, you know, most of them. And she's, you know, spent her whole childhood around teachers and she's neurodiverse and she's LGBTQ. And, you know, so the teachers in her life have been really remarkable for her. But I, I got to say, there is part of me that is really worried about her pursuing, you know, that that type of career, because I do see, again, what so many people I love are going through, you know, so many of the teachers, you know, my friends call me at the end of the day, it's like, they do not have an ounce of energy left. And 
I, I sometimes feel like I, you know, I want, I don't want to say to her, don't do it because it's such a noble thing, right? You don't want to tell her to suffer either doing it. Of course. You know, I also, and, and, you know, is it going to get worse or is it going to get better? Like, I just don't know, you know, even if she's not a teacher for another six years, who knows, you know, maybe it'll be worse. Maybe it'll be better. But there's part of me that wants to say to her, like, all right, let's, let's maybe go to plan B. And I know that's horrible. I mean, my advice to, to your daughter would be, I mean, I, I love teaching as much as I, I'm trying to change it. I'm not leaving it. I, and I also think ironically teachers could do much. They could, they could fit into any other profession pretty, pretty easily because we're so used to adapting. But I will say this, uh, teaching experience differs based on district and location. You know, I have a lot of friends who are like, I'm going to quit. And then they get a new job in a new district. And then they receive the support, the pay and the environment and culture that they need. So I would strongly encourage your daughter to pursue this route and to give it a chance because she could end up in the dream district that provides her with the pay, the resources and support that every teacher should have. You know, I visited a school last weekend. and I'm like, this is heaven as far as the school district. Everybody, the superintendent all the way down. It's like the teachers are like, we're blessed to be here. It is an amazing district, amazing support. And it's, it's kind of like what you would cookie cut the ideal school system out of it's also small compared to my school but it's just so it's it's a case-to-case basis and the other thing i would tell her is to pursue this because she can always change her mind companies are hiring teachers now more than ever because they realize the skill set that teachers have and the the not only the creative aspect but the the we're teachable we learn and we can adapt very quickly so you see companies offering i have friends getting getting poached by, by corporate tech companies as well uh, for six figures because they're amazing teachers and they know that skill set will carry over in anything they do and they could learn. You know, it's easier to teach a teacher than it would be to teach someone else outside of that space. So I would strongly encourage her to pursue this. And if she decides it is not for her, then then that's something that's a road she'll cross. But I love this profession. My my fear would be thinking of all the lives that she could impact that won't get to have her as a teacher because the system is so toxic. And that's always my concern. So many students are going to miss out on so many amazing educators and experiences because teachers were forced to choose between their livelihood and their profession. Mm -hmm. So what small changes or what realistic changes do you think that could be made like now immediately that would have the biggest impact in improving things? I used to be focused more on a national level, a federal level, as if the sector of education, uh, Miguel Cardona could wave a magic wand and somehow make the system better, but it's all local. It's, it's local school districts have to realize that if they don't invest in their school system, if they don't support their teachers, uh, if they don't provide with resources, a few things are going to happen. The, the education system is going to destroy, be destroyed because you won't have enough teachers or you're gonna have a revolving door of teachers where they'll come in, they'll teach, and then they'll leave. So there's no stability in, in the education space as far as the teachers. Or worst case, they don't have enough teachers to fill. So half the students will be with subs all, all day. And obviously that's gonna to lead to what is my opinion the real learning loss. Because the only thing worse than a student not having been in school, which they consider learning loss, would be not having a teacher for a year or a few months because they can't fill that position. Uh, my other concern would be, which you see districts doing, is they're increasing starting salaries a lot, which is fine to recruit new teachers. 
but they're not paying the teachers that are there who've invested their lives. So imagine you've been with the company for 20 years, Danielle, you've given your heart, soul, and they need to get new employees. And all of a sudden the employee who's just coming in is making a, as much as you are right now. And they don't even know the job. And it's probably going to be you who has to help teach them how to do the job. And that's what we're seeing districts doing. And to me, that's the biggest insult. If you're increasing starting pay, you better be increasing existing pay. And it's just, it's those simple fixes. Just let people know you appreciate them. Uh, let them know that you value them and let them know you support them. Mm. So what do you want to say to all teachers? Like, you, I know you, you know, you use your platform to say this stuff every day that, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly talking to teachers and try to motivate them and also educate everybody about what we need to be doing more of. But, but if you could say one thing to teachers out there, what would you say? You know, I would say, I would say, thank you. Uh, thank you for, 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 pushing through what is probably an unbearable time for educators because you care so deeply about the profession and your students. Uh, I would say, please don't be afraid to speak out because if people are not aware of the problems, they can't fix them. Uh, more importantly, I would say to the non-educators that when teachers are, are sharing what's their, what their concerns or their frustrations, it's not because they don't care, it's because they care so much. And if you truly care about investing in the community or investing in students, you would go out of your way to support and invest in the teachers. And I think that's the big thing. You don't have to be a parent, you know, to, to care about supporting the schools. To me, it's like the epicenter of everything. It's like, I don't have to be, it's like saying, it's like saying as, as a man, it's like, why should I care about women's rights? They don't affect me. No, I care because it's the right thing to do. You know, I don't have to be a female to care about women's rights. I don't have to be a part of the LGBT community to care about LGBTQ rights. I don't have to be a person of color to care about civil rights. You know, it's like you have to you have to advocate for groups that are needed that need your support. Yeah, I always think about that. You know, we live in an area now with like a, a whole lot of um, you know communities for fifty five and over and everything, and. I know a lot of them are very, very supportive of education, but I always think to myself for the ones, you know, that are sort of like, well, my kids aren't in school anymore, or, you know, they've, they've out, you know, they've outgrown the system or whatever. I'm like, but you live in the community. The people that are graduating from these schools are going to be the people who are the, you know, who are going to come back, right? Because a, a big percentage of people come back to their, their hometown and live. These are going to be your doctors. These are going to be your lawyers. These are going to, you know, hopefully these are going to be, you know, your, your, your uh, first responders, everybody. So like it's, you know, you, they look at it with such a peripheral, you know, with such a, a, a a straight and narrow view and they should be looking at it with more of a peripheral lens, right? Like th this is your community. I mean, these kids in four or five years are, you know, a lot of them are going to be the ones who are interacting with you in some way or taking care of you and your loved ones. So it makes no sense. Like, I don't get that. And it is interesting because a lot of people think that way. And, and it's, yeah. and to me, it's like in our community, if you don't support the schools, uh, then you're setting the schools up to fail, which means you're going to be paying a greater cost later on because now there's unemployment. There's different fees and, and expenses that would have been avoided if you would have invested in students early on and given them a position of opportunity. So, yeah. and I think that applies for every district, you know, investing in schools will get rid of so many expenses and so many potential problems later on, but it also just provides everybody with an opportunity to, to, to fulfill what they want to do whether it is to be, you know, of service back in your hometown or it's to go on to pursue something else. You know, education to me is the ultimate equalizer. Hmm.
Yeah. And I was going to ask you also, uh, so we, I asked people for questions for you. And one of the main okay. questions, I think probably the most popular one was as a parent, what can I do to support teachers? What is the, what can I do more than anything else to support the teachers in my district? The best thing you can do to support them. First of all, you don't have to spend money on your student, on your child. You don't have to, uh, do anything extra than than support the children when, or support the teachers when it comes to things like board meetings. Ask your child how. Ask the teacher how many students to have in their classroom. If they have thirty kids in their classroom, I mean, as a parent, that would upset me because now that's unfair to the teacher. That's impossible to do their job, and that takes away from the potential of each child. You know, then I would make complaints. I mean, parents parents shouting out at board meetings would would affect and impact the teacher's job more than the teacher shouting out or the teacher speaking out. Because in all due, I mean, parents technically dictate what the board does. You know, parents could have such a big impact on schools. I mean, even in my community, there's a group of parents who are meeting with superintendent who are, who are, who are writing up plans to, to be implemented. And it's so powerful and it's so inspiring. And it also lets the teacher know, even reaching out to the teacher saying, how, you know, how's my child doing? Is there anything I can do uh, at home? Is there anything I can do to help you? I mean, things like that matter so much. Just the fact that even connecting to a teacher. I had a parent email me the other day just to thank me for like that. And that alone like meant so much because it's like they have their own lives. They're struggling to be a parent. And it's like as educators, we understand that. So I know for parents, it's so tough sometimes, especially if you're a single parent, you're working a job and going to school. It's like we do our best to work with you. And I think the best thing parents could do is to be outspoken advocates at board meetings uh, when it comes time to voting, when it comes time to, to supporting certain candidates within the community. Uh, and it's like something that simple would have such a lasting effect. Awesome. I wanted to, sometimes we play uh, a game called Triggered. Uh, Adam and I play it a lot. It's basically just like a word association game. If you're, okay. I'm sure you've done it before. So I was just going to say a word or a phrase and you say the first word or phrase that comes to your head. Okay. We may have to edit this part out later on, depending on my answer. Okay. Uh, no problem. No problem. <laughs> we'll give it a shot. Classroom. Uh, joy. Sunday night. Lesson plans. Lesson plans. Yeah. <laughs> that Lesson was the next one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Summer break. Uh, fill my cup. Supplies. Uh, I need them. <laughs> First day of school. Excitement. Last day of school. Excitement. High schoolers. God, high schoolers, my first thought would be just good human beings. Budget. Not enough. Substitutes. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher's lounge. Non-existent in my school. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the uh, last one was people's sexiest teacher alive. I'm willing to pass up that title to anybody because it's, it's been, it's been a weight around. It's been a more of a burden than it has uh, something to, to celebrate. My your mom's students must not, that. your students must never no. let you live it down. No, they don't. But my mom's still very proud of it. She was the sexiest teacher alive. Yes. <laughs> but it also, it, it opened my mind to uh, a lot of things I wouldn't have experienced because again, being it gave me a taste of what it was like to be a woman for a few years where people instantly judge you based on, on what they see. 
you know, you could cure cancer, but people will tell you how pretty you are, how nice you look, you know, and it, it gave me a taste that and it's not a good thing. Wow. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, I want everybody, every single person needs to follow you. Uh, well, I appreciate that. My, my Instagram, my Twitter at Nicholas Ferroni, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-F-E-R-R-O-N-I. Uh, same thing for, for, same thing for Facebook at, on TikTok, which we now have now because oh, wow. we do as adults, we make TikToks is at Mr. Ferroni and feel free. I mean, if anybody has any questions or concerns or any parents want to reach out with any ways I can help them, if they have any questions that they want to ask me that they don't feel comfortable asking their child's teacher, feel free to message me and I'll gladly do my best to answer the questions for them. Well, I like know. A, no, I was going to say, it's like kind of like an unedited, raw parent-teacher conference. Right. Well, you are. I mean, you, your, your posts and everything are just so wonderful because they really do speak the truth. And I, you know, I, I know, first of all, that you're so busy. So I'm so grateful that you took the time to talk to me today. But I also just want to thank you on behalf of, I mean, we have a ton of listeners who are teachers, um, you know, and, and I know that they are just so grateful for what you're doing and you have so much support that you don't even know about. I know that you, you do know about the support, but there's a ton of people who support you, who you just don't even know. I I appreciate that. And I wish I can do more. And if your daughter ever needs to talk to a teacher, wants to come observe a teacher, spend a day and see what the classroom is like, or, or even interact with teachers, open, open invite anytime. You're amazing. She, she would oh, absolutely okay. love that. She would absolutely love that. Thank you so much. I, I hope that, you know, you'll come back and talk to us again. And I'm sorry, Mr. Husband, please give him my best. As I well. definitely will. I definitely will. He's, he's was so upset that he couldn't be here either, but next time for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. Thank, thank you. you. You have an awesome night and thanks again for everything you're doing. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.